The gospel lesson, which we've heard the idea of in the children's sermon, is in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore left everything and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lord God. I don't know about you, but I've been reminiscing over last Sunday's sermon all week. Thank you again. Uh, Minister Becky for the message of last week. Today I want to speak briefly from the topic, your call. Join me now in a word of prayer. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of each heart glorify you, for truly you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. And I thought about Mission Impossible or Mr. Phelps for a long time, so thank you again. And I don't know about you, but every week whenever I I turned into that particular show, I knew he would accept the mission, right? Did you ever doubt that he would not accept the mission? No, you knew he would accept the mission. Why? I'll come back to that question in a moment. You've heard in the readings of today two call stories. Isaiah, who finds himself in the temple. He's standing at the entrance, and he sees the train of God. In other words, he recognizes that God is in his midst. I don't know about you, but every time I enter this sacred space called Evangel Heights United Methodist Church, be it in the sanctuary, be it in the narthex, be it in the classroom, be it in Fellowship Hall, I I always want to sense the presence of God. And, And during this presence, he, of course, has this encounter. And if you were to look at the gospel lesson, you would see a similar encounter that Peter has with Jesus. They both find themselves in the midst of the holy. They both recognize their sinful state. They both ask for forgiveness. And in each case, they both are given a mission and assignment. 
I don't know about you, but as I think about my journey after I said yes to Jesus Christ's invitation to follow him, what I've discovered is it's not always easy to follow Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I've discovered that along the way, there are obstacles, detours, distractions that can get in the way, not only of my following Jesus, but sometimes they can get in the way of my actually hearing what Jesus Christ is calling me to do. Let's be real. And yet, I would say to you, there is nothing more important in life than following Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to talk to you very briefly about what can get in the way of our hearing Jesus Christ and um, and can get in the way of our following Jesus Christ. I call them the ABCs. The first thing that can get in the way of our following Jesus Christ is apathy. Jesus Christ has called us to follow him. He's called us to make disciples, and we know that disciples make disciples. But there are times that we become apathetic to that call. We become apathetic to Jesus Christ inviting us not only to accept that commission, which is found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, we also find that sometimes we are apathetic towards accepting and receiving the commandment that is found in Matthew 25 that was touched upon last week. Seeing the prisoner, responding to the prisoner, seeing the naked, clothing the naked, seeing the sick, caring for the sick, we can become apathetic. We feel good about being in our own group. We we all get along so well. There's not this sense of urgency to share the good news of God to those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. That's God's good news. I love you enough to send a Savior not only to die for your sins, but to show you how to live while you're on earth. So the first thing that can get in the way is apathy. I would suggest to you the second thing that can get in the way of our hearing Jesus Christ and following Jesus Christ is bad theology. Let me just give you a great example. I I don't know about you, but um, I just remember when I was growing up, I heard about the curse of Ham that's found in Genesis chapter 9, Around verse 25, but you need to read verses prior to that. But in verse 20, in verse 25, you hear about Noah cursing Ham. Yeah, but when you read the next chapter and when you need, read the next verse, it's not Ham who was cursed. It's Cain and his son who was cursed. But, but this particular text was used historically in the church and in society to say that black people were cursed and they would be servants to others. Look at the text. Study the text. As a matter of fact, that particular verse was taken out of context and was used by slave owners 
to justify having slaves. Look at the text. Bad theology. Bad theology. You see, in that particular uh, text, I'm going to turn to my notes because I, I don't want to lead you astray. In that particular text, what is not lifted up is that in Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, there are limitations on curses, only three or four generations at most. So first of all, let me just say to you, this is not about black people being cursed. This is about people, Canaan, being cursed. Secondly, there's a need to to remember that um, we are reminded of the fact, if you're going to talk about slaves, we're reminded when we look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, and Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, we are reminded of the fact that persons who were masters were called to create their slaves a certain way. And then we forget, if we're going to talk about the slave narrative, that we are reminded that in Jesus Christ, there's no slave, there's no free person, there's no Jew, there's no Gentile, right? Bad theology. We've used bad theology to talk about certain people who should not be embraced by the church because of their sexual orientation. Bad theology is any theology that does not lift up who God says God is. So not only do we have apathy that can prevent us from hearing God, from hearing Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ's invitation to follow him, to fulfill his mission, we have bad theology. And then thirdly, we have what I call compromise. We have cultural compromise that's taking place, even today. The church has compromised her voice and her witness by partnering with society in expressing Ill truths as though they were truths. Let's face it, let's be real. For those of you who read the book, um, The Color of Compromise, America Church's Complicity When It Comes to Race, we have seen how mainline denominations have justified slavery. And I must say to you, the United Methodist Church has been a part of that. That is why in 2000, at the general conference level, this is the body that speaks for the church, there was a service of repentance for the racism that we had been party to. Let me just say, for those of you who don't know, racism is a sin. It is not a political term. It's a sin. And the church must always speak against sin. So we have seen how the church has compromised her position by joining in with society when it has come to racist attitudes and positions that have diminished the well-being and the Imagine your day of certain people, the image of God 
within certain people so that other people can be lifted up. Compromise. We live in a society today whereby people don't want to hear truth. They just want to be comfortable. They don't want to experience any discomfort. They just want to be comfortable. But what we know as the body of Jesus Christ is truth will hurt if you're not following truth. Can I get an amen? I hope you said it because you believe it. Truth will always hurt if you're not following truth. I'll give you a great example. Walk around and have sin in your heart and then have the Holy Spirit convict you of that sin. That hurts. Amen? Amen. So what we have seen historically is how the church has kept quiet and in many instances has gone along with the narrative of society regarding black people and black and brown people. The second compromise that I want to lift up, however, also comes from within the church. I call it the church compromise. If you were to turn in your Bibles to um, Galatians chapter 2, you will find that Paul and Barnabas had gone to Jerusalem. They wanted to share with the pillars of the church, which included Peter and James, the work that they had been doing through the power of the Holy Spirit. They wanted to report to the church how God has set them aside to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the Gentiles. And when they shared that information with the pillars of the church in Jerusalem, the pillars of the church celebrated what the Holy Spirit was doing in their midst. They recognized this is the movement of the Holy Spirit. And so they celebrated with them. And so Paul and, and, and Barnabas left, and they went to Antioch, and, and uh, they continued to, uh, to teach and to minister amongst the Gentiles. And, and then Peter showed up. <laughs> Peter, the pillar of the church. Peter, Jesus Christ, apostle. Peter showed up. And, uh, and he was eating with the Jews. He was fellowshipping with the Jews. He was getting along with the Jews. Until some other Jews showed up. And what did he do? He backed away. He no longer interacted with the Jews. I'm sorry, with the Gentiles. He no longer ate with the Gentiles. And what Paul did is Paul called him out on the hypocrisy. He called him out. He called him out. Because you see, back in Jerusalem, Peter could celebrate the fact that the Holy Spirit was moving through Paul, through Barnabas, in the life of the Gentiles. And yet, when Peter showed up, and ate with the Gentiles in Antioch. He was fine until that sectarian group of Jews came in, and so he felt he had to pretend that he was all Jew, and therefore he he had to separate from the Gentiles. I call that cultural, I call that church compromise. What does that look like today? You tell me. What does it look like today? To say, yes, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe 
that he has died for my sins. I believe that he has called me to be in partnership with him in sharing the good news that God sent Jesus Christ to die for the world, but not only to die, because, you know, that'll take place later on, but to show his followers how to live. I believe that. I believe God accepts everybody. I believe God honors everybody because everybody is made in the image of God. And we, we can say that on a Sunday morning. We can say that during Bible study. Oh, but when we get together with our friends and they begin to talk about those people, what do we say? What do we do? Well, I knew every time I tuned into Mission Impossible that Phelps was going to say yes to the mission. And someone may be asking today, well, so Pastor, you've talked about how we can um, get sidetracked, how we can find ourselves uh, facing barriers that can prevent us from hearing Jesus Christ and that can prevent us from carrying out the mission that Jesus Christ has called us to carry out. What are we to do, Pastor? How, how can we overcome those barriers, those detours? I'm glad you asked. Let me go back to Phelps. So I knew every week that I turned in, I knew that Phelps was going to say yes to the mission. <laughs> I knew it. Not because he was a guy that lived on the edge and who liked excitement. That may have been part of it. I don't know. But I would suggest to you there are two reasons why he said yes to the mission. One, he believed in the mission. He believed that whatever assignment he was given, he knew it would make a difference for the good. And then the second reason why he said yes to the mission was because of the relationship that he had with the one who had given him the mission. Minister Becky talked last week about the, the, the unknown voice. We did not know who the voice was, right? I would suggest to you that Phelps had a relationship with the one who extended the mission, and that's why he could say yes to the mission even before he understood the fullness of the mission. The question is, Pastor, how can we make sure that we do not get trapped, that we do not stumble over, that we do not allow the barriers and the detours to get in the way of our hearing Jesus Christ and then following Jesus Christ in the 21st century? Phelps gave us the answer. First of all, you need to know the one who has given you the mission. You see, here at Evangel Heights United Methodist Church, the church leadership is committed to discipleship formation. We are committed to that. And I'm thankful for the church leadership led by um, Deaconess Penny Krug. We're committed to making disciples. And that's not the same as membership. No, disciples are those, as Minister Becky said today, are those who choose to follow Jesus and obey his teachings. We're committed to that. We're committed to that. That's why we're asking you to take the real survey. We want you to know those areas of growth that you can focus on when it comes to discipleship. He had a relationship. Phelps did. And then the second thing is he believed in the mission. 
Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Do you believe it? And if we believe it, then we need to start making disciples. We need to start just sharing with others. Let's begin at a very basic level. Let's start sharing with others what Jesus Christ means to me. What does he mean to you? It's your call. Your call. It's my call. To be intentional about hearing the voice of Jesus Christ and being obedient to his mission. What that means, finally, is that we're going to find ourselves in places that we never thought we would go. That's what happened to Peter. Jesus said, you follow me. He didn't tell him where he was going. He just said, you follow me. And I don't know about you, but this is what I've discovered. Following Jesus is never boring. (laughs) Never boring. In order for us to follow Jesus Christ. We're going to have to become uncomfortable going to those places, becoming in close proximity to people we've never been in close proximity with before. It's your call. It's my call. This is why the church exists. Yes, we come together as believers of Jesus Christ to fellowship with one another, to do service together, to love one another, yes. Discipleship has to be number one. We have to be in a relationship with the one who has not only saved us, but with the one who is calling us to go and to share all that he has taught us so that others can experience the abundance of life. Will it be easy? Not all of the time. Will I become uncomfortable? A lot. But the relationship, the relationship with Jesus Christ calls me, calls you to go. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you so much for Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, the one who teaches us now how to live here on earth, how to engage with others in your world, the world that you love. Thank you. And now today, give us the courage to say yes to a deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Give us the courage, the desire to say yes anew 
to the call to follow Jesus. Oh, Jesus, help us to follow you no matter where you choose to lead us individually, no matter where you choose to lead us collectively as the body, your body. Help us. Amen.